Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. I'm your host, Roger Abel, with Elias Randall today. How you doing, Elias? Good, Roger. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Things are exciting the last 24 hours in the uh, speculative world of cryptocurrency. A lot of volatility right now. I, I know. It's funny because I think about a week ago, I told you, I, and, I, and I don't predict things, but you said I could be the Harry Dent of cryptocurrency and yeah. try to predict things. I didn't but, know if you are actually going to bring that up on the show, but... I do want everyone to know, Roger, did you text me or were we talking in your office? I think I have the text message there that um, when, when Elon Musk came out and said we're no longer going to accept Bitcoin as a form of payment, I sent you a text message and said, hey, you know, all these you know, runs and stuff come to an end at some point. I don't know. And maybe it'll go back up. So I'm not predicting it. But I just said this could be the beginning of some type of a retrenchment. And since that point in time, I think we're down almost 50%. In Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, and I don't want that to be a prediction because that's not what we do. We're just having general so, banter with it because I, I'm not smart enough to determine when these things are going up or down. So we're not getting into the prediction business. We're not in the prediction business, okay. I promise. But right. but it's interesting because we, we had developed this outline. Um, and what we're going to talk about today is Elon Musk and kind of how he influences cryptocurrencies and markets. And he's been... Um, a topic of contention in the SEC's eyes for a while. He got into a spat with them a few years ago and settled for $20 million. Yeah, it sounds like he doesn't like them and they don't like him. It sounds yeah. like it's a mutual relationship. Well, I mean, when you're the third, I think I checked yesterday that they have live stream of, well, let's see, there's a live stream of who the richest people in America are. Or yeah, the richest he dropped people in down the world. a few. Yeah, he was third yesterday on the, the live. It's um, Forbes real-time list. It's uh, Forbes.com has it. World's real-time billionaires. Jeff Bezos is number one with 189 million, which uh, uh, and number three is Elon Musk with 144 billion dollars. Um, so, when anytime you're the the third richest person in the world, people tend to listen, and you're some type of an authority figure. So, um, we thought we'd talk about how how he's moving markets and some other things have happened too. But really. Um, I don't know, was it a week and a half ago that Elon Musk was on Saturday Night Live? Yeah, yeah, one or two Saturdays ago, yeah. Okay, and, and he was going on Saturday Night Live, and there was actually some controversy. It was highly anticipated by um, the Dogecoin crowd. And for people that don't know what Dogecoin is, it's a cryptocurrency that was actually formed as a joke in 2013, okay? It was created by the IBM software engineer, Billy Marcus, and an Adobe software engineer, Jackson Palmer. And they were trying to create a peer-to-peer -peer digital currency that could reach a broad, broader demographic than Bitcoin. In addition, they wanted to distance it from kind of the controversial history of these coins. Um, it was officially launched on December 6, 2013, and within the first 30 days, there were a million visitors to Dogecoin. Um, I looked that up. I got that from Wikipedia because I, I think it's good to level set what this is because if you just see the name on the front, it's a dog, so people like to call this dog coin. It's actually Dogecoin. Mm -hmm. um, but the people that held Dogecoin – in a background, I guess, Dogecoin was worth like less than a few cents a year or two ago, and it was traded up to 50, 60, 70 cents somewhere in there. And people thought that when Elon Musk went on to Saturday Night Live, that it was going to go over a dollar. In fact, Elon Musk um, has been nicknamed the Doge Father. He nicknamed himself that, right, on the show? When you're the third richest person in the world, <laughs> you can give yourself your own nickname. Yeah, the Doge father. <laughs> the Doge yeah. father. Um, in fact, our good friend Brad called me. He's like, 
You'll never guess. My 16-year-old kid called me and wanted to borrow $3,000. I go, for what? He goes, he was telling me how Elon Musk was going on to Saturday Night Live, and they wanted to buy Dogecoin, and it was going to go up to, you know, over. To a dollar. The talk was going to push it yeah, to a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's just the speculative nature of where we are. So, anyway, Elon Musk went on to Saturday Night Live. So, highly anticipated people thought, you know, he's going to talk about Dogecoin. It's going to be positive. And it will go up. People just purely speculating on the price of this cryptocurrency. Yeah. So do you think this was so one of the articles I was reading about it, because this is like a trading term, right? They talked about maybe this is an example of some crypto people buying the rumor and then selling the news. Because I guess what? Because they built it up with a rumor of, hey, he's going to go on there. It's going to go to a dollar. Well, then he mentions it. So to me, it almost seems like the people who were really hip to the situation, just decided to start selling at that point. To They're probably taking profits, I'm sure, the sure. people who I think first started. That's always been, in our industry, if, if the trader world, Yeah, that's always been kind of the, the, the terminology, right? Buy the rumor, sell the news. And right. It was funny because I talked with someone the other day about this. I don't remember who it was. It's going to give me a headache thinking about it. But we were talking about vacations. Maybe you were in the meeting with me. We were talking about vacations and how the buildup and the it was yeah, it was yesterday in our meeting. The buildup yeah, to yep. the to the vacation sometimes is more fun than the vacation. Right. The anticipation, yeah. like, oh, we're getting ready and we're gonna plan what we're gonna do. So it's kinda like the rumor right. is a lot right. more fun than the actual news. News tends to be boring because we already kinda knew. Um right. so that totally could be the case. But I think it's interesting that a person in his stature can move a market or anticipate a market moving so much. So, um, so when he went on Saturday night live, he appeared, um, and, and at the end of the monologue, they brought his, his mom on. And it's funny cause yeah. his mom was about as dry as he was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really think either, either one of them were funny, but, um, it, it, her name was May Musk. Um, and she made a joke. She said, I'm excited for my mother's day gift. I just hope it's not Dogecoin. <laughs> he goes, it is. Yeah. So it was it was a funny monologue, but at the end of the day, what ended up happening is Dogecoin dropped 30%, went down to 49 cents. I don't know what it is today. I haven't looked. But what's more interesting and what I didn't even know about was that the pri one of the major trading platforms for this was Robinhood. Robinhood is in the news again, and it's negative news <laughs> negative again. News. What happened? They had, well, they had an outage, and then their customers, their customers couldn't trade Dogecoin. Just like the GameStop, they had an outage. So I'm, I'm yeah. sure this. I feel like this actually flew under the radar, and maybe it flew under the radar because the bigger event go, of like Elon being on Saturday Night Live and the. Well, maybe, but were, maybe it's because hedge funds weren't involved and. The big money Probably wasn't true. the ones being hurt. I mean, I don't know. There could be hedge funds buying Dogecoin. I don't know. But so maybe it's more, because hedge fund masters weren't getting killed on a short squeeze. So this just didn't. It wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, it wasn't that big of a deal because, you know, who was so, affected? The, the retail investor. Yeah, here's my question. Or speculator, I should say. Yeah, here's my question about Robinhood. Does their name, does, like the more you learn about Robinhood, does the name become more ironic? Like every time you learn more about the company? Well, yeah, because it's about steal from the rich, give to the poor. But I don't really feel like that's what's happening. It seems like it's working the opposite way. <laughs> I'm an observer. I don't use Robinhood, so I guess I really don't know. But 
just every every it's like everything I'm learning about them, their name is so ironic. Well, in, you know, it, we brought Robin Hood up, and there's some cool news yesterday, and I don't know if you saw it. I don't know if it's cool, but Fidelity came out and rolled out zero cost trading for 13 to 19 year olds. For 13 to 19 year olds? Yeah. Okay, I did not Free see trades. that. That's news to um, me. Yeah, it's but it, it's almost kind of going on the whole Robin Hood theory um, of we're going to try to get these younger people involved. I'm going to pull up the news article as we go here. Uh, but it says teens, this is on CNBC yesterday, teens can now trade and save free with fidelity, what parents should keep in mind. So they're actually going after this younger generation trying to get them involved. So because it's fidelity, I thought to myself, does this actually bring like more legitimacy to it? Like, will Fidelity try to educate these people? Or are they just going to jump in the same type of trading realm as Robinhood? I yeah, don't know. See, like, see and, that, That's what I would want to know is, okay, you're going to offer this free trading, but are you offering the educational material to, like we talked about, teach people how to be successful investors? Or do you want them to think, or is it more like, are they trying to gamify it kind of like Robinhood has? Or is there going to be more support to take them from here's your free trading account to we can teach you steps to become good at this? Yeah, I, that's what I want to know. And, and my guess is, and this is purely speculation, that they're going to be on the education side. And what Fidelity probably realizes is that the sooner we can get somebody to adopt and use our technology, they right. might be a lifetime customer. because. Every business, every person is going to look at what's the lifetime value of that customer. And while these might be small trades that we're giving away now, if they've been using our app from the time they were 16 years old and now they're 30, what's the likelihood that they're going to switch? If it's free, there's good execution, they're getting the information they need, it might be a brilliant play by Fidelity Absolutely. to try to get people involved. So I know it's a little off topic, but since we brought up Robinhood, I thought that you know now we've got some competition in that zero kind of trading trading market. But um, the second kind of event in which moved the Bitcoin or cryptocurrency price due to Elon Musk was back on February 8th. And on February 8th, Tesla came out, they bought 1.5 billion of Bitcoin and said, hey, we're gonna start accepting payments and the payments for vehicles. So you could take your, your Bitcoin, you could buy a te Tesla with Bitcoin. Okay. Yeah, um, that was th the plan. That was the plan. Help push the price to $65,000. Um, what's ironic is last week, guess what Elon did? Yeah, te Tesla backed out. They're not going to accept Bitcoin um, to buy Teslas, right? Because they're saying that to mine Bitcoin, it's too much energy. Well, right? and what's what I think is interesting about that as well, I believe... Tesla actually sold some Bitcoin to show a profit for first quarter. So it'll be interesting to see when they file their reports how much Bitcoin they still have after Elon said, we're not going to accept Bitcoin as a payment. The reason they they stated for doing it, I think the primary reason was um, energy, mm -hmm. right? They, they said, hey, there's a coal mine and you know they're using coal and they're using all this energy to do Bitcoin, which is interesting because I follow Kathy Wood and ARKK and they had an article come out basically right after this, kind of disputing it. So this kind of goes back to, are we just listening to Elon Musk or are we researching what's being done? Because I look at like Kathy Wood's firm, our, our you know, innovation, I look at them as more of a 
like fully research firm. Like they have research people doing this, not just one person yeah, giving just, their opinion yeah, on a right. really loud platform. Yeah. Well, and what I thought was kind of interesting. So in the monologue, in his Saturday Night Live monologue, he talks about how it's super important to be environmentally conscious moving forward for the future. He's talking about his own company and just society in general. And then the next week, now they're going to stop accepting Bitcoin because of environmental issues. And so I guess I don't know like how the SEC and people like that, they track market manipulation or things you're saying and the timing of the things you're doing. And maybe that's not, maybe he didn't have that all planned out. It just seems so suspicious how he kind of set it up with this monologue on Saturday Night Live, which a lot of people were watching. And then a few days later, well, we're not going to accept Bitcoin anymore well, for payment. When you've researched this before February 8th, when they're going to take this payment, it's not like this was two years ago. They haven't well, changed how they hash or get their Bitcoin. Right, like, right. That's another thing. Wouldn't this have yeah. been, and this had been talked about before they decided to do it. So what I'm just wondering what the real underlying issue is here, because I'm not sure it's environmental concerns. They may use that as a reason, but it's only been like three months since you said you were going to go ahead and accept Bitcoin as payment. I, I, so anyway, so that that's another kind of illustration of Elon moving a market. And I think for the people listening to the show, we're all about a financial plan and this is all noise. And really what this is doing is validating. what We talk to people about every single day. Bitcoin's not relevant to your success. A diversified portfolio is relevant to your success that meets the goals put forth in a financial plan. We give this information because we think it's important for you to help filter the noise, right? In our world, this is all noise. We had someone in last night. What do you think about Bitcoin? We have to talk about all this, but they have no desire to go take all their money and put it in Bitcoin. Right. I'm not saying that Bitcoin won't go up in value. I don't know. I'm just saying it shouldn't be the majority of somebody's portfolio. Right. I mean, there's been a lot of articles coming out. Hey, how to position Bitcoin in a portfolio. Right. And the articles are all talking about very, very small percentages because, you know, if they go up rapidly, you can have outsized gains, but they can go down rapidly at the same time, which we're watching today. In fact, Bitcoin has traded about 35,000 when we started filming this. Let's see what it is because it's been bouncing around still at about 35,000, but okay. I know this morning when I woke up, it was 37 and traded down to 31. So it was down 20% in, you know, 45 minutes. So it's really volatile right now. Yeah. Well, and I've had, I guess I could say I've had some productive conversations with younger investors about crypto. I actually, um, two guys I was speaking with, um, at breakfast recently out on a vacation I went on. Younger guys, they're doing well, they're saving their money, they're doing the right things. And so they're kind of, we're talking about crypto and they wanted to know my opinion of it and what I think of it. And obviously, I mean, I think there's aspects of blockchain and crypto that are going to be part of our lives in the future and will, all, and will continue to be. Um, but I was actually really encouraged because one of the guys goes, here's the way I look at it. I'm saving in my 401k and I'm doing the right things for my long-term money. He goes, the money I'm putting in crypto, he goes, I just view it as gambling money. Those are lottery tickets. Right. And Purely he, lottery tickets. Yeah. And he's a competitive person and he, he likes to gamble and play some casino games. And this is just, he said, for me, I just view this, this is money I really don't need. And 
I just kind of view it the same way I view the casino. So I just, I let those guys know. I'm like, hey, if that's your attitude about it, that's the right, that's probably the right attitude to have because at the end of the day, you're not buying stock in a company. You're not really buying anything that produces something. You're just buying something that's purely speculated on narrative and price. Those That's what drives the price Narrative, of price, things. and scared, scarcity, right? That's what they're, that, those are the three things that are there because it doesn't really produce anything. Um, so we went back and Molly helped us research this, but there's been five events um, really uh, outside of this last one with Bitcoin that's influenced cryptocurrency. Event one, um, on January 29th, 2021, Elon Musk changed his bi- his Twitter bio to hash- hashtag Bitcoin. Within roughly one hour of his changing his um, Twitter bio, the price of Bitcoin went to 32,000 to 38,000, then dropped to 36. But he pushes around the prices. That's event one. Um, event two, Elon posted a picture about Dogecoin on January 28th. What happened after that? I... Uh, well, the roughly four hours after the tweet, it quadrupled and then lost about 50%. So big run up right after he did it. And then big sell off right after that. I, so he, people are literally listening, Elon Musk, buying what he says, then somebody's selling it. Who is it? So at this point, are, are people going to be shocked if he actually invented Dogecoin? Well, he didn't. We know who invented Dogecoin. That's oh, known. yeah, those two guys. Yeah, but the, but the, did he have anything to do with it? Because wasn't there speculation that he wanted to create a cryptocurrency? Maybe he did. I don't know, right? Because there's a lot of it that's anonymous. You know, remember Elon Musk created PayPal, so he understands how money and monetary systems work. I wouldn't be surprised if he's involved in some way in something. I just don't know what. Right. And I don't want to speculate on that because I don't know. So number event four, um, one word, Dogecoin. Musk's December 20th tweet and changing of his Twitter bio had one of the biggest impacts of his Twitter activity. Um, the average trading volume of Dogecoin 30 minutes before the event was about $1,942 per minute with the average of nine trades per minute. During the 30 minutes after the tweet, the trading volume was 299,000 per minute with 775 trades per minute. So he's pushing the volume. And then finally, um, not all of his crypto tweets are positive. His fifth fifth example, he said, Bitcoin is my safe word. Uh, December 20th, Bitcoin is my safe word. And Bitcoin is almost as BS as fiat money. We're followed by a roughly 1.7% decline in the price of Bitcoin. So... What's interesting, I can't figure out what side of the coin he's on, right? Not, yeah, it's hard to tell whether he, it's hard to, maybe he's just doing it for entertainment. I don't know. Yeah, so I strictly think that people that are listening to what Elon Musk says shouldn't do that. It's not healthy. He's moving markets. I'm sure there's going to be an investigation into what's going on because all of it is, it's proven to manipulate the market. If you can tweet out one word, and the trading volume goes up from nine trades to 775 trades per minute. Yeah. That's a massive increase. Um, yeah, so, and one of them, well, like this week when he actually, his response to a tweet started this sell-off in Bitcoin. Someone tweeted out how like Bitcoin owners are going to be, uh, um, they're going to be upset after, because um, Tesla isn't going to accept Bitcoin anymore. And he just responded like, indeed, 
he just basically agreed with what someone else said and the price started going down. Yeah. So there's probably not what there's probably not enough information or really data to say like when he says something, is it good or bad? Because it's been going both ways. But there's a lot of evidence to suggest when he talks about it, trading volume increases one way or the other. For sure. And and I think what I want everybody to take away from that's either listening or watching this. Um this is noise. We talked about noise on our previous podcast. Noise gets us out of the probabilistic world, right? Right. If we start listening to noise, think about if the stock market went down 50% in a week, people would literally think the world's coming to an end. There'd be, it'd be, I know there'd be absolute chaos. Well, I don't know if there'd be chaos, but 50% would be massive. I mean, we saw a big drawdown in about a month because of COVID, but that was explained. So we have this cryptocurrency that's, you know, down 50%. And I mean, truth be told, people kind of act like it's no big deal. They, I mean, maybe it's because they expected it to happen, but I want people to filter out the noise. The noise is irrelevant to what's happening to your financial plan. And we've been talking about this for the better part of three or four months, that the specu- speculative assets are not what helps someone retire. And I had a good friend of mine who we had this discussion about just me personally. He goes, well, you know, you're in a position where you could take some money and buy lottery tickets. That's what I'm referring to as speculative assets, lottery mm-hmm. tickets. And I said, well, yeah, but I don't have to. Like, I do the same thing on my clients. I'm boring. I want a boring portfolio that, you know, has relative market returns that's determined by a financial plan so I can be on the glide path to retirement and success. If someone's going to do speculative assets, it would make sense that you'd have a plan that says, well, I need to put away X dollars to hit my goals. And then I have, you know, this other money to play with. Your friend who you referred to said, well, this is kind of like my gambling money. Mm-hmm. Well, what I want to know is, does he actually have a plan so he knows he's putting away enough and he's not just guessing that this is his gambling money? Well, that that would be a great question to ask him. I probably should have. I probably should ask. Well, have you ever done a financial plan to quantify your gambling money and and your long term goals? Well, yeah, because <laughs> if you do that, then there's no problem. I mean, let's think about why people get gambling problems. You got to win it back. You got to win it. You back. You got to win it back. Well, yeah. if you're truly using your gambling money, then you'd never dip into the money that's important. But I just know that's not how human nature works. Human nature works that. You know, oh, I had 10,000 of this and it went to five. This month, I won't put my money into my retirement stuff. I'm going to take it and bring it over here because I think I can make more. Right? It's it's how successful investors don't act. Right. We're going back to our saying of the year. Successful investors don't act that way. In fact, I had a call with someone I know that's putting money into crypto and doing the stuff I called and said, you still buying this stuff? It was like two days ago. What was the answer? well, I'm going to buy it. It's going to go back up. And I just said, okay. Yeah. Because we're proving it's not. Um, I don't know what will happen. It could go back up, but I don't know. I mean, I... We've been talking about tulips and gilders for the past year. I'm not saying that's what this is because there may be some validity to it, but, you know, 50% meltdown in the better part of a week, it's pretty dramatic. That is dramatic. And I guess my my feeling is, so like you're really, really convicted Bitcoin owners, the people who 
are buying Bitcoin on an exchange and then maybe storing it in cold storage um, in their own in their own hardware wallet where they have to have the password to access their coins. I'd be interested to know how this is impacting those consumers, because to me, those are the people who really, really, truly believe in cryptocurrency and really, really believe in Bitcoin. So I know I guess this is speculation, but some of me thinks a lot of this selling is the people who are probably just gambling and don't really understand blockchain or what Bitcoin really is. And so maybe there's some acceleration. I wonder about the buyers and the people who decided two and three years ago, I'm going to buy Bitcoin regardless of the price. Well, I think that brings up a very valid point because we both know somebody who's very knowledgeable in Bitcoin. And I would tell you that the way he's been, been successful, or at least he explained it to us, is he's been buying some out of every paycheck, I want to say for like the last six or seven years. Like he's I, literally taking money out of his paycheck, buying small amounts, then moving it to cold storage. Yeah, I believe he said 2013 or 2014, he started buying but systematically every week. You know what's so ironic about that? That's, that's successful <laughs> investor behavior. Right. So <laughs> I actually, and I believe that the people who believe in Bitcoin and what its functionality is, this is irrelevant to them. I think you are right. I think this is more of, hey, I don't really know what I'm buying. So I'm going to buy it and it went up in value or man, it's gone up so much in value. I'm going to buy it. Oh, I lost half. I got to sell. And that's why you're seeing the acceleration in selling. But I truly believe the people that believe in Bitcoin, they're probably just going about their normal behavior, just like successful investors do. I think that's the most ironic thing from this whole show is the one person I know that has been doing this for a long period of time, they don't pay attention to the price. We asked him, what's the chance it's going to go down? He said, likely, right? I yeah, mean, he, he expects it. Yeah, I'm sure he's just continually doing a weekly buying strategy and he's using successful investor behavior. So right. I don't know. I think that was a good insight you actually just had there. Um, so I think the biggest takeaway for me in this show, Elias, is, is not that it's important what Elon Musk says. We can just ignore him for the most part. Um, Correct. I, I think... Filtering the noise is the biggest thing to make people successful and get to retirement. How do I get rid of this stuff? Because we get asked all the time. So we have to have the ammunition to say, hey, this is why it's not relevant. And, you know, if you were executing a well-written financial plan, no part of that said the price of Bitcoin matters. You just get rid of this. It doesn't matter what Elon Musk says. It doesn't matter who the president is. It, all this stuff doesn't matter if you execute a financial plan. And we stick to it because you get into the probabilistic world of what could happen versus the emotional and noisy side. Yeah, that's right. And really, one thing I was thinking about driving to work today, if if you look back like at a meaningful period of time, call it 30 or 40 years, if you look back in the financial markets over the over that time period, really, if you had if you executed the behaviors of successful investors you've done a good job and you've been rewarded and you've won. So I don't know, to me, it's just, yeah, there's these things, I guess I'm getting back to ignore the noise because if you just look at what has happened, there's really not a, there's not really a period of time where if you had the right behaviors in the long term, it didn't work out. As long as you were buying diversified portfolios, because we talked about this actually, I think two days ago mm -hmm. and dollar cost averaging, and, you know, one of my favorite guys, Josh Brown, 
he was talking to Batnick. This is like two or three months ago. And they were talking about dollar cost averaging, right? Dollar cost averaging. We've all heard of that, or most of it, where you buy over time. And if the price goes down, you buy more. They were talking about individual stocks. And Josh said, well, dollar cost averaging on the way down just has never really worked out that well for me. <laughs> and he said, well, what do you mean? Like, if you hold things long term, they come back. And that's true of like indices and diversified holdings. But we pulled some examples. Sears. Yeah. Well, I don't remember the number. Back. I think in 2007, it was trading $129 a share. Yeah. Today, now it's like basically out of business, 20 cents. Yeah. So you could have been dollar cost averaging all the way down to zero. So it it's all goes back to diversification and planning can get you to where you want to go. But as soon as we start narrowing in on small asset classes or individual stocks or individual bonds, it's where we start to run into problems with our planning. And right now, everybody thinks it's fun to go pick a stock, pick a bond. I'm going to pick the winner. Well, yeah, when everything goes up, that's easy. But now we're starting to see a little volatility. We'll see how easy that is. Yeah, you'll get a kick out of this. People getting excited about what's hot or the individual stock or whatever. So um, the other day I was with a friend and he goes, hey, Eli, so what's hot right now? And <laughs> I don't know. I was just kind of in Henri mood and I go, having a diversified portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> you clearly didn't say Iowa because it's not hot here at all. No. no. Uh, but that, that's a good comment. What's hot? Diversified portfolio. Uh, I, I, I can appreciate that. If anybody listening or wants information, you can get us at btwellshow.com. Um, once again, we appreciate everybody listening. Until next time, I don't have anything else, Elias. How about you? Nope. I'm all good. Ignore the noise. Thanks Ignore for listening. Noise. Thank you. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.